Welcome to episode 1C of Cool, Clear Water, the inaugural eight-episode series of the 40-Day Hero's Journey podcast, the podcast of original stories where fictional characters find themselves in life situations, and we explore how average folks can be heroes, just like in Hollywood films. My name is Richard Leipel Schneider, and I create these stories following the steps of my book, The 40-Day Hero's Journey. My goal is to show how being a hero isn't reserved for a select few. On the contrary, being a hero is possible for everyone. So please enjoy Episode 1C, Well Number 136658. We rejoin Alex, our hero, and her team of water quality specialists as they start to unravel the mystery of why arsenic is present in the water from a well used to irrigate crops owned by Winnemucca Farms in Winnemucca, Nevada. Their job is to isolate the source of the contamination and contact the necessary people, both public and private, to initiate a contamination cleanup. Alex opens her eyes turns off her phone alarm, and takes a moment to get her bearings. Then, slowly, she remembers that she is in the bedroom of a cabin at the New Frontier RV Park in Winnemucca, Nevada. It is 5 a.m., and since Interstate 80 is not far away, even this early she can hear the sound of cars and trucks on their way to destinations anywhere from San Francisco to New York. So many possibilities. For a moment, she thinks about getting on the interstate and going somewhere, anywhere, as long as it is not here. But no, that isn't the person that she is. Shirking responsibility is not her style, and her values guide her to make decisions that do not include giving up. Whatever fear she has about leading her team of water quality specialists will be dealt with somehow. Exactly how that will happen, she doesn't yet know but it will work out in due time, one step at a time. Step one is getting ready to join the team and start the investigation of well number 136658. Start with a quick wash, dress for field work, a bite to eat for Max and herself, and get everyone loaded into Moby and off to the drip site. It doesn't take them long to get organized, and Alex, Tingyu, Mateo, and Max arrive at Winnemucca Farms just as the sun starts to rise. Since Tingyu and Mateo were here to do the initial on-site test last evening, they know exactly where to go. It is evident to Alex that Winnemucca Farms is an incredibly impressive operation. It is a farm that understands and focuses on best practices for irrigation in arid agricultural conditions. It is a well-planned operation with up-to-date and well-maintained equipment strategically placed over the entire area, and it is enormous. Standing at the north end of this section of fields, Alex is looking at a dozen or so silver irrigation pivots Each pivot is a 400-yard-long sprinkler made of pipe sections on wheels. They look like giant robot centipedes in a sci-fi horror film, and she can see many more in the distance. The irrigation process uses these pivots to rotate in a circle and deliver water to the area's crops. 
the operation appears as a grid of perfect green circles in satellite photos. While Alex is surveying the area, a red utility vehicle drives towards them. A light brown plume of dust rises from behind it as it draws nearer. It is the farm manager on his way to meet them. He directs his first words at Alex when he arrives. Are you the person in charge? I am for the time being, she replies as she reaches out her hand to shake his. My name is Alexandra Hayfield, and your name is? He takes her hand and shakes it. My name is Bruce. So what's the plan? His lack of amusement is apparent. She explains that they confirmed that the triggered drip flagged arsenic contamination. They will start by ensuring the cepeda traps on the surrounding wells are working. The drip may be an isolated reading since we only have one report of arsenic. So this could be nothing, he interrupts, because we need to get the winter rye seed in the ground, but cepeda regulations say we can't do anything until you say we can. It could be nothing, Alex replies, but we need confirmation before we can issue a statement. And yes, until we give the all clear, you will have to wait. In addition, we will do water testing on a few of the other wells here on the property, as well as samples from the Humboldt River. Once we get a better picture of the situation, we will give you a full report. Okay, I'll wait for your report, but please make it quick. He makes this statement as he walks back to his UTV, starts it up, and drives away. Alex based the entire conversation she just had with Bruce on what she has heard John, the trained team leader, say to countless others in the same situation. She knows everything about water quality, but in truth, she doesn't understand how direct communication with the public is supposed to work. Mateo and Tingyu look to her for direction. Realizing this, she deflects responsibility by saying, we all know what needs doing, so let's just do it. They agree on the geography of the area, as a closed system, snowmelt and rain flow down the ridges from the northwest and east to collect in the underground basin aquifer. From there, the groundwater makes its way to the river, evaporates, or farms extracted for irrigation. Alex divides the team based on tasks regardless of a bigger plan. I am going to take Max and head north, see if we can pick up any sense. Why don't you two check around here and get a sample from the river? Oh, and Mateo, do an aerial survey of the mining interests on the eastern ridge. Tingyu asks Alex if we, meaning Alex, should contact the local government. If possible, Alex wants to avoid the lead position job. Since this initial contact would start that communication, she wants to postpone it as long as possible. Let's try to rule out an isolated positive first. Several hours later, Alex is standing in what looks like the middle of nowhere, but looking at her map, she knows where she is. She uses a black marker to make notes on the grid section for the corresponding area she and Max have just finished. Suddenly, Max begins barking. Alex immediately knows something is wrong, since he is trained to bark only if there is potential danger nearby. Alex blows on a training whistle, silent to human ears. Max knows its meaning and responds without question, arriving at her side in seconds. What did you see out there? Well, let's take a look. 
Alex lifts a pair of binoculars hanging around her neck and scans from left to right. At first, she sees only scrub while turning her head slowly. Then, something amongst the bushes moves slightly, and she snaps the binoculars back to look closer. Alex stands still for a few seconds, holding her breath, and waits. Finally, there it is, she says aloud. A coyote is staggering around, which is unusual. Typical activity for coyotes is constantly moving and always looking for prey. This behavior is uncommon since it is almost midday and coyotes prefer darkness for excursions outside their den. As Alex watches through the binoculars, the coyote collapses haunches first. This coyote is sick. Could it be poisoning? Maybe even arsenic poisoning? Alex decides that she needs to take action, not only for the potential investigation evidence it could yield, but also, and in her mind, more importantly, for the sake of the animal. Grabbing her phone out of her sling bag, she finds the number for the Winnemucca Game Warden's office. A touch of the screen, and she quickly reports what she has discovered. She explains that this animal could be essential to their investigation and that she wants it captured alive and brought to a vet for diagnosis and treatment if they aren't too late. Once Alex reports the location of the coyote, and she is confident that the warden will take care of her request, including having the vet call her with a report, she decides she needs to get herself and Max out of the midday sun. It is September, the temperature is only in the upper 70s, and they are both fully hydrated. But regardless, it is time for a rest. She turns in the direction of the farm and heads off with Max at heel. No leash is necessary in another example of how well-trained Max is. She expects that Mateo and Tingyu will return to the farm shortly after completing their tasks. Alex and Max cover the distance to the farm without difficulty and no new clues. Finally, they're about to arrive at the farm, and her cell phone begins to ring. She answers to hear Mateo in a bit of an excited state. But, unfortunately, this is not a happy excitement, but rather a nervous and worried excitement. Mateo talks very fast. His words are garbled, so Alex can't understand him. Mateo, Mateo, slow down. I can't understand what you're saying. So she decides to put the call on speaker. Perhaps that will help. Eventually, Mateo slows down enough for Alex to understand what he says. He was flying a drone over the mining interests, doing the aerial survey they had agreed to. Everything was going fine but then the mine owner and his crew went ballistic with someone shooting at the drone with a rifle. Mateo brought the drone back unharmed, but then the mine owner and his foreman showed up in a pickup truck and demanded to know what the hell was going on. Alex thinks back to what John would do, but unfortunately, she knows there would have been communication before the fact. In short, John would have contacted the mine owner before Mateo began the aerial drone survey. This conflict would never have happened if John were here. Okay, let me think, Alex concedes. She runs a few scenarios through her head and decides the best option is to postpone the inevitable, at least for now. 
So she tells Mateo to pack up everything and meet back at the farm. What about the mine owner? He asks with apparent annoyance. Oh, I didn't realize he was still there. She pauses to make up something that sounds official and will mollify for now. Tell him we are in the process of an investigation and we will notify him with more information as soon as we are able. She ends the call with Mateo, fully knowing that that did not go as it should have gone. Alex and Max walk the remaining distance to the farm. Bruce, the farm manager, is waiting to greet her and make sure she knows how truly irritated he is. I just talked to the game warden. He asked me for permission to cross our land to pick up a sick coyote. A sick coyote you told him not only to pick up, but also to take to a vet for treatment. So what the hell's going on? You should be clearing well number 136658 so we can get to seeding, not playing nursemaid to a coyote. Alex wants to plant herself in the ground at this moment. Anything to get away and out of this situation. Why the hell isn't John here? She wouldn't have to deal with this abuse if he was here. Okay, deep breath. First, I understand your concerns. Please know we are doing everything we can to make this entire process go as quickly and smoothly as possible. Second, you need to understand that the coyote, using Bruce's pronunciation on purpose, may be important to the investigation. It was showing symptoms of arsenic poisoning. If it did indeed come in contact with arsenic that made it sick, it may help us find the contamination and resolve this investigation as quickly as you would like. Alex sees his demeanor relax as he becomes aware of the connection she made. With her explanation seeming to have worked, she is pleased and starts to think she might be able to do this leadership thing. But as a reminder not to get ahead of herself, she sees Moby coming up the long road that she saw Bruce's red UTV traversed earlier. Alex excuses herself from Bruce to meet Mateo and Tingyu as soon as they arrive. She and Max climb aboard, and she immediately tells Mateo, just drive. They head out and away from the Winnemucca farm. Mateo and Tingyu look to Alex for directions, but she is already wetting a towel at the sink to dab her face and neck. It isn't just the heat and dust she is removing. She hopes she can wipe away the wealth of built-up frustration and anxiety, leaving her clean and fresh. Feeling refreshed, Alex decides that since her recent statement to Bruce worked, the team should return to the mine owner and tell him something similar. Alex tells Mateo this, and he agrees with her for the first time all day. On the way, Alex gets a call from the vet about the coyote. The vet tells Alex that she has done an initial examination. The game warden had wanted to put the animal down in the field, but since Alex indicated it might be arsenic poisoning, he captured it with a snare pole instead. The vet concurs that the symptoms exhibited are consistent with arsenic poisoning. Clinical signs she observed include salivation, vomiting, diarrhea, staggering, weakness, lethargy, and collapse. She will be removing the gastrointestinal contents of the stomach and testing them for arsenic. Hopefully, cleaning out the stomach and replenishing fluid levels will be sufficient to save the coyote. She will notify Alex of the test results.
Alex finishes the call with the vet as they are nearing the mine location. They see the mine owner is there since his pickup truck is near the cement structure of the mine entrance. They pull Moby up and park as the mine owner comes out of the structure to meet them. Alex, Mateo, Tingyu, and Max exit Moby. Alex is surprised that she feels ready to deal with the mine owner even though he is pretty foreboding. Alex is about to speak when she sees Max out of the corner of her eye. He is pointing. We leave Alex, our hero, for this week, wondering what Max is pointing at. Has he caught the scent of cyanide or sulfuric acid? Will this scent lead them to the arsenic chemical spill? Join us next week as Alex and her team determine if this aid of a friend will pay dividends. To learn more about the aid of a friend, take a look at day 15 of my book, The 40-Day Hero's Journey. I describe this narrative element with the help of Joseph Campbell, Mookie, and Amir to show how it is an integral part of every hero's journey. I know this is a shameless plug, but I have to tell you that my book is available on Amazon in paperback, Kindle ebook, and hardcover editions. Today's episode features the following outstanding musical themes. The 40-Day Hero's Journey theme music is Longing for Home by Christopher Moe Ditlifson, and the theme music for Episode 1C is Desert Dew by Alex Slane. All music and sound effects are courtesy of EpidemicSound.com, the market-leading platform for restriction-free music heard around the globe. <laughs>